0: Jack, get some goodies this week. First off,
1: where in the world is Jack <laughs> Danahy? I am uh, sitting comfortably at the Boston Omni Hotel at the waterfront, directly across from the AWS Reinforced Conference, where ordinarily I'd be speaking, uh, but not anymore. Today, I'm just hanging out here, met with some good friends who've been around for a while, got a couple of meetings later on in the afternoon for other purposes entirely, but I'm here in scenic waterfront Boston. Yeah. Are you sad that We didn't
0: twist your arm to make you speak there. You you feel like you've got some freedom that you can operate without obligation.
1: You know what? I always enjoyed it. I think AWS has done a great job from a cyber perspective, right? Uh, the shared responsibility model that they promoted, I think, created a level of clarity in the cloud. It was super important. So I got just an, you know, gobs and gobs of respect for the AWS team and what they did in cybersecurity. Um, but it's good to be here instead. I'd rather be talking to this audience and to you two than to a group of people who are sort of wandering around semi-comatose after a night of partying with vendors. right? So I'm hoping that our listeners listening at their leisure will be able to take more from my comments than I'd ordinarily get from a group of folks who are a little bit overtired and zombified at the conference. Yeah,
0: awesome. That's nice. You're not, uh, not in a position of having made people cry.
1: Not today. <laughs> After your talk. But it's early.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, I've still got a lot of hours in
1: the day. All right, I think we should talk about the ESG report. I think that'd be great. You know, One of the authors of it, John Oldsick, is an old colleague. He and I have done a number of engagements together. Super, super smart. But I think this report requires a little bit more examination. So I'm glad you bring it up.
0: So it's an ESG report sponsored by the Information Systems Security Association International, published July 22. We can uh, link to this report in the show notes here.
1: And I think you know for the audience, this is one of the reasons why I think this is a good thing for us to talk about. Because a lot of us trust analysts to give us a perspective on a broader market that we may be too busy doing our day jobs to look at. But I think sometimes what happens is when you listen to an analyst report and you realize that they're talking to clients about the things that they're looking for, the direction that they take may be completely based on the data. And I give the ESG team a lot of credit for the depth of data that they gather. But I think sometimes the conclusions ignore the business reality of whether or not the things that they're looking for could ever happen. So to Justin's question, you know, at at the end of the day, there's a couple of conclusions here specifically that I think are obvious, the fact that people inside of security are looking for things to be a little bit more common, more common language, uh, more standardized. And I think that because their jobs are hard and we've talked a lot on the show about how complicated security technologies are because they don't work together really well, they'd like us to consolidate things. I, I think that would be awesome right? I think the problem is in this report, and I think what Justin and I should be talking about today, is that some of the expectations that are set around whether that is going to happen don't factor in the fact that this market has been successful for a lot of -of best-of-breed providers because they don't talk to one another, right? And they do sort of enforce that balkanization by technology type because of the fact things don't talk well together. And we've seen whole markets like the SIM market, and in fact, even the SOAR market, struggle, right? Because those organizations have not historically been willing to share information in a consistent way. So for me, there's a lot of good information inside this report. I recommend people give it a read. You know, Oldsick is a great researcher, but I'd like us to sort of take a little walk through this and talk about what we think may be some of the unrealistic expectations that it sets. Yeah,
0: I like it. There's an aspect to all of this where I feel like in the course of trying to be, as an analyst, trying to be like progressive and forward thinking and something that's kind of innovative and something that the industry hasn't seen before, like the potential exists to toe the line on something that's more academic and idealistic than something rooted in reality, (laughs) you know? Which I think this one person's opinion, I think some of these bullets that are kind of like articulated in this report are that. And so the report was an interview of 280 cybersecurity professionals, and I would characterize some of the results, at least as I'm reading them here, the accumulation of research to be more like pie in the sky, like if I could wave a magic wand. Just after like having world peace and solving world hunger, I would want security professionals, want more industry cooperation and technology standards.
1: Well, you know, I think that's the fourth thing, right? The third thing of your magic wand, I want that ever refilling beer mug that Thor has at the end of one of the Avengers movies so that it never goes empty. So if we could do that right after World Peace, that'd be awesome. But prior prior to this actually happening. Yep. So there's actually a mix in here. I think one of the interesting points that's brought out, and it's sort of like a dub point, but that 73% of the respondents believe that there's too much hype in cybersecurity marketing, right? And it's sort of like interesting. There isn't a lot of detail around specifically what people think is hype, but I think that this is pretty well known. Right, that organizations say to protect against ransomware, use XYZ tool, or to protect against breaches, use XYZ tools, or to uh, cure a breach after it happens, use XYZ tools. And I think in this case, hype is not that the tools don't do something important, but rather that the application of the technology is not going to be as broad a solution to the problem that they're saying that they solve as they think it is. Right, So they're covering a portion of the waterfront really, really well. But I think perhaps that a lot of the The consuming community, the the customer community, expects it to do more than it does because there is very little transparency in a part of a lot of organizations' marketing about the things that they don't do. They talk a lot about what they do do, but they don't express to their clients and to the marketplace those things that they're not going to be so good at. And security is, by its nature, this sort of whole cloth kind of problem.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a. The way of the world, I mean, there's so many examples of that, but this one specifically is, then um, I'm making a broad statement here is like vendors over kind of overspeak of like their capabilities. And there's oftentimes like little consideration given to actual security engineering. And most of the security engineers I know at this point can kind of see through it, right? Mm-hmm. It's saying vendors make these promises of basically saying, you know, hey, sign up for our stuff, so, like sign up with our platform and we're going to stop all breaches, right? Or we're going to absolutely secure all your information. But anybody who's been doing security engineering for more than five minutes is going to know, be like this. You can't talk in absolutes because you don't know my environment and you don't know other technologies or other political factors that might be at play that they're going to make that not true. So yeah, I I just feel like there's there's a lot of people that see through it. And like, you know, it just makes me think like, for those listening, like, you know, that I'm a big English Premier League fan, right? And like, every year, there's new players that come into the league to play in like the Premier League, which is like one of the hardest leagues in the world. And because a player was great in like an Italian league, or maybe they were good in like, you know, the French leagues, and there's a lot of hype about this player coming into the Premier League and be like, oh, they're gonna play so great on Arsenal or they're gonna go, they're gonna play so great on Manchester City. It's like, uh, actually, the first time you know they play in a game and they get leveled at the top of the box because they've never played with that physicality, mm-hmm. we're like, hype's gone. <laughs> they're, they're not. They're a good player, but not in this venue and not in this setting, right?
1: Like, it's just super competitive,
0: you know. Hypes out the
1: window. I think this is a, a great, freaking example that you unintentionally provided, as so often happens, right? So just think about that. Because as you're talking, I'm hearing like blah, 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 soccer, right? And so I have no idea what you're talking about until you get to the end of it and then I put it all together. And I think that's like the security marketplace. Right? 100%. So people come into it and they say, and people don't realize that you know XYZ Tech doesn't cover XYZ kind of exposure. And because the audience doesn't really understand it very well, all they hear is that first statement you make, which is that the awesome goalie from the Italian league may get their ass handed to them because of the greater physicality inside the Premier League. Right? And so for me, like, yeah, you take away that thing, but it took you as someone who really understands what you're talking about to express it in a way that that average customer will be able to internalize and understand. So I think that that's pretty cool. You know, there's another side of this. Well, it's really loud here in the hotel. Um, It sounds like a kindergarten class just walked in there. It is. These are the younger participants, I think, in the AWS conference. <laughs> They're getting prepared for um, Reinforce 2027 or 2029 or something. I don't know. Um, no, but but I was just thinking, though, as you were expressing it, some of what we see happening in other forms of defensive technologies is there is sort of a legal requirement for more transparency and exposure, right? We all watch you know television occasionally. We all see advertisements or hear advertisements about medications that are meant to solve particular illnesses. And at the end, there's is a litany of things that it doesn't do well and a litany of things that it may do unexpectedly that cause harm, right? And so there's this expectation in pharmaceuticals that you're gonna be forthright about not just the goodness you're gonna provide, but also the goodness you're not gonna provide and some of the badness that can actually happen. And I think that what you just did in terms of describing what happens in international football is very much like we'd like to see happen in security, right? People would not feel there was as much hype if the organizations which are promoting what they do well were also equally transparent about the things they don't do at all or that they do poorly. So you know, sort of as an opener to this report, I think that that's a nice way to start. But I think I'm going to apply the same language now to this report, right? Because that little bit of factuality was pretty good and pretty helpful. But let's look at another number, two more numbers, 70% of respondents said that they would really like to see vendors participate more in open standards. Awesome. And 84% of them think about their ability to integrate one another's technology is really important. Great. Right. So the report provides that information. I think it's kind of useful to somebody, right? So that's great. But what it doesn't say is that 100% of security vendors rely on their own differentiable uniqueness to make their money and hit the profit margins and increase the pricing and show their brand in a different way so that it's not just all vanilla right? Because as soon as those 77% of respondents or 84% of respondents get what they want, all of those companies are going to go out of business, right? Because it's going to be oatmeal. Everybody's going to be the same. And so in the same way, you know, we're trying to figure out how does the headlining happen so that you do a better job of describing what doesn't happen. Let's talk about this report because part of this report should say 70% of respondents want this, 84% want that. And our view is it's never going to happen because I can tell you it's never going to happen.
0: Yeah, well, I can give you a very real example of what you just talked about and why it's never going to work. So, this is, um, I'm a couple technology versions back here. But for those familiar with Splunk as a technology tool, right? They're uh, security analytics and a log aggregation tool. One of the things that we commonly aggregate is vulnerability management data from like Tenable or Qualys, right? The way Splunk works is it collects all of the logs into an index, and that index stores those files locally, right? Totally makes sense. That's functionality. But in order to ingest Tenable information, Tenable has blocked the ability to download the log files. Rather, what they've provided is an API to read in the vulnerability information. Seems fine. Seems like it could work you can still see the vulnerability information within Splunk. The issue is that technical, tenable vulnerability information is not written anywhere within Splunk. So the moment you turn off tenable, all of the vulnerability data disappears because it's not written anywhere. It's just read in. The reason tenable did that, again, I'm a a couple revisions back, It was at the time they're trying to sell their own log correlation engine, their own LCE. And if they allow other sims to ingest their information and do interesting things with it and create interesting dashboards, Tenable would cannibalize their own log correlation engine. And to your point, they would not sell their own software on the gratuitous journey of having open standards that everybody can subscribe to. So, While I'm also in the camp of saying, like, I would love to see open standards, the reality is capitalism will forever prevent that from happening.
1: (laughs) Right on. And remember that capitalism is what is going to fuel that next version of Tenable or Splunk or Qualys or whomever else to do the next awesome thing that we all need. Right. So it's not just I think sometimes we think of capitalism as relating to the way that people put money in their pockets. But capitalism is also the the way that we invest in new technologies to make things better. And so if part of the growth in cybersecurity is based on these organizations capacity to generate a captive customer base, right, that allows them to invest and do better things, then I think that that's that's an important part of that ecosystem that would be overcome by these sort of recommendations. And just to sort of focusing on that word recommendation just for a sec, if you actually read through the ESG conclusions, you'll actually see that the respondents were saying, I'd like to see this. It's an important characteristic. I feel that, right? These are actually in the language of the conclusions you'll notice none of them are saying, I won't buy it without, right? And I think that that's a really, really important point of differentiation as you read through this analyst report or read through a Gartner MQ or a Forrester Wave, whatever. You know, looking at what the clients are saying they want is really awesome, right? Again, I want a holographic user interface, right? I'm not gonna get it. So just because I want it doesn't mean it's going to be translated into the way that the market develops. And I would hope that as people read this kind of report, they don't begin overvaluing that shared interoperability as more important than the core capability of these individual product and vendor platforms to deliver on the value proposition that they're promoting in their potentially overhyped marketing, but that they do one thing really, really well, right? And so I would feel badly if somebody came in with a perfectly open platform, they communicated and integrated everybody else and everything was sort of like crap. But because Marketplace misread these indicators, they thought that was the most important characteristic.
0: I, I agree with you. it's an important distinction. A lot of these are kind of, seemingly in the report they're articulated as nice to haves, but clearly I'm not saying people won't shop for them if they don't have them.
1: <laughs> so <it's, laughs> so as, as we think about sort of what are our conclusions from this, right? We the positive, readers of all these things, right? And always trying to come out at the end of a poned episode with something that's good. You know, I think one of the things that I pull out of this is that there is one of the reports that said that most of these folks believe that many of today's security products are too complex right, and that the vendors themselves, because of the lack of interoperability, are not making it easy to do security, and I can't gainsay any of that. But I think that as opposed to saying that you change the core business model of software companies, of technology companies, to make them all play well t- to each other and de- decrease the differentiability, I think it speaks to the fact that there are organizing principles that can bring these things together without forcing those companies to lose their initial distinctness of product and their marketability and profitability, right, and that is either service providers or new platforms they can find ways to combine this information using a common language, using a common set of analytics for individual features associated with each one of these products. So that if someone does want to do, in your example, they want to take in data from Tenable and maybe they want to take data in from their WAF and they want to take data in from their endpoint solution, they can weld it all together. Because while there's still complex individual solutions, maybe all I need is a little bit of feature from each one of those things. And an integrating platform doesn't have to be as robust. About each one of those technologies, nor does each one of those technologies have to have a robust analytics platform. And instead, the client gets the best benefit of being able to combine that information in a way that is bespoke, right? That's custom to the way they care about it. And now we solve this complexity problem that's highlighted in the ESG report. There's
0: actually there's two points. So there's the positive. Here. I'll try, I'm going to come up with my my positive statement. Um, then there's the also I'd I'd like to see aspect of this. And so you know, I think the most uh, illuminating piece of all this is like, these percentages are pretty high, like 77, 84, 83% of people are feeling the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Like same frustration point, they aspire for the same things. And so to me, that tells me there's, um, you know, across 280 respondents is um, people are seeing, you know, the same pain points within the industry and that to me tells me the industry's coming along, right? Like we're learning, we're conceptualizing, you know, kind of the shortcomings as, as a group. And the positive of it is I would hope that um, someday we can collectively put, put pressure on the market for someone to come up with a new business model, which takes me to like my completely aspirational and would like to see component, I guess it's kind of in line with this, is um, in the course of embracing some of these concepts open standards, technology interoperability, is out of this, there's got to be a new business model and a new way to monetize these features in order to be relevant in the security marketplace in you know 2030, pick a year far out in the future. And um, I really can't help but wonder if this is the beginning of potentially a new business model. And I kind of see the market being in a similar position as to like, what the music industry was years ago before Napster came out, right? And by the way, like, just for anybody listening, like I'm not like endorsing Napster. I have my own opinion, but for this episode, I'm taking completely neutral view of it as saying like Napster as a technology changed how record labels Made deals and went to market and like monetized everything, right? But it laid the groundwork for new and different technologies, like, you know, what Apple was doing with their iPod and, you know, gave rise to like the Pandora's and the Spotify's. And it just created a new and different way to kind of monetize the same content, but also at the same time, making it more accessible to a lot of people. And so my like my very aspirational (laughs) piece of this is um, I'd personally like to see a new and different business model come out of it in a way that kind of satisfies all of these things. But we as an industry are going to have to learn how to do it and I certainly have my ideas, but I'll keep them to myself for now. <laughs>
1: can, I, can I follow up with a question? Because I think that's really pretty smart. If I think about the major change that Apple and those types of media deliverers caused was you no longer had to buy albums, you bought songs. So to your point on features, is what you're saying that we as a security community should be thinking about making our technologies more granular, right? So I can take off individual pieces of them at like buying a song. So if I do want like the glory that's CrowdStrike, but I don't want their malicious process identification or I don't want a certain kind of IOA. I can just bring in the data that I want or Tenable, I bring in the data that I want and I'm not forced to take on the whole Megillah. Is that what you're thinking?
0: Mm -hmm. 100%, you buy features, not brands, or you buy songs, not albums. If you had proposed this idea to Tom Petty in 1970, he would have told you you're batshit crazy. (laughs) right? But evolved to now is saying like, oh yeah, like that would work. And if I did that, I make some of these songs more available to more people. And by the fact of making it more open and accessible, there's more people that listen to my music than would have listened to me otherwise.
1: Man, I love it. That is a great insight. And maybe we can make it happen sooner than later.
0: (laughs) I hope so hope so, man. All right, what do you say, Jack? Should we end on that one? Wrap them up. All right. Well, if you are looking for a cybersecurity partner who can make cybersecurity easier, more relevant, more helpful for your organization, less complex, we are your partner. You can reach us at New Harbor Security. We'll be happy to help you out. If you have questions about podcasts, um, you have questions for the mailbag, you want to hear things about, you know, breaches, Breach of the week's topics. You know how to find us. It's pwned at newharborsecurity.com and we'll catch you on the next one.